Hey guys, Mark chapter 11, we're going to pick up with the passage we started last week. And if you remember, we were going through the fig tree incident. Uh, Jesus curses a fig tree, then he cleanses the temple, and they come back to the fig tree. And now Jesus is going to teach on prayer. And I thought that I would separate out the temple aspects from the prayer uh, parts of this passage. They do go together. I'm going to explain that in a second as best I can. Um, but I thought they're so significant that I wanted to separate them into two different parts. So Mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 25. And the question that I really want us to wrestle with today is what does my prayer life say about my faith? And, um, you know, I've asked this question before as we've dealt with prayer and other passages, and it just, to me, has been something that's very convicting um, because honestly, uh, it kind of goes in spurts. And there's times where I really am seeking the Lord, uh, taking time for prayer, regular prayer times, um, other times, not so much. And uh, just to be honest with you guys, I uh, really think this is an area that I need to grow in a lot. And if you're like me, then it's probably something you need to grow in a lot. And I think that if we are not praying that it's saying something about what we believe, uh, what our faith is, what do we believe about God and the effectiveness of prayer and such things. So that's really what I was, was to look at. So let's go ahead and read the passage, Mark chapter 11. I'm going to go back a couple of verses. Um, so this is as they left the temple and as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. So he's amazed. It's a miracle. Um, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. We're going to come back to that, but I think that is the key phrase of this entire passage. Have faith in God. Faith is not a power source. It's not like Star Wars, you know, the force that you just kind of tap into. And if you have enough of it, then you can do impressive things. No, uh, faith is in a person and that person is God and God's the one that has the power. The power is not in us or in our faith. Continuing on, verse 23, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown to the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, there's some pretty significant promises there. Um, we're going to look at that. Um, verse 25, we looked at a lot last week. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Um, okay, so as we look into this, I, I do want to now help us to understand that there is a significant change, a monumental change that's happening here. It's a, and how does this passage on prayer fit with the temple and the fig tree? And I think they go together, obviously because they're right together and it fits right within the, the fig tree thing. And since we have a, the fig tree, temple fig tree with some teaching on prayer, I think it's all one unit that goes together. And of course, he references prayer when he's in the temple. And he says, you know, my house will be, you know, my father's house will be known as a house of prayer among all the nations. So prayer is something that happened in the temple. And one of the things that I think that's important for us to realize, especially as, you know, I'm a Gentile. I grew up in a Gentile area. In other words, non-Jewish uh, very uh, American style of Christianity, not much knowledge about the Jewish faith other than my own understanding of the Old Testament, um, but very rooted in Christianity and the New Covenant and all those kinds of things. 
And I don't know that we really appreciate as modern Christians how significant the temple was to the old covenant, the Old Testament people, the Jewish people. The temple was the centerpiece of basically everything they did in relation to God. And you remember multiple times in the Old Testament, it talks about God's presence actually was physically there in the temple. And they would see, um, you know, a cloud of pillar, pillar of cloud by day and a a pillar of fire by night. It would descend into the presence of the temple. Uh, So to go to the temple was to go to be in the presence of God. And of course, only the priest could go into the inner courtyard area and into the holy place and only the high priest could go into the inner area the most inner area the holy of holies he can only do that one time a year because of you know all of the the process that god set up to allow people to approach him in his holiness because of our sin of course the whole temple was meant to to help point us towards the need for sacrifice to pay for sin so that we could be holy and enter into his presence, all pointing forward, of course, to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So again, as as Christians today, I think that we don't appreciate just how significant the temple was and what he's doing here in, in this fig tree incident. He's pointing forward to the fact that this temple, the fig tree, this temple there is going to be destroyed because it's not bearing fruit. So, uh, if that's all going to be gone, then there's got to be a new way to pray. And, and that's why I think he then goes to, okay, guys, let me go ahead. Since the old system, the way that you approach me as God is going away, there's going to be a new system. I'm going to go ahead and start to teach you a little bit about that. But just so that you guys can just kind of get a, a little bit of appreciation for the significance of the temple. Um, I, I've got a long passage here from Second Chronicles, but I think it's worth going through. And just note how significant the temple is. And by the way, this is Solomon, his prayer in dedicating his temple. So this was the, the first building, non-temporary temple that, they, that was built. This temple was later destroyed and then rebuilt by Ezra. Um, but here's his prayer of dedication. Notice all the orientation towards the temple. If your people Israel are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned against you, praying to God, and they turn again and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of the people of Israel. Bring them again to the land that you gave to them and to their fathers. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray toward this place and acknowledge your name and turn from, turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk and grant rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence or blight or mildew or locust or caterpillar, if their enemies besiege them in the land of their gates, whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, Whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people is people Israel, each knowing his affliction and his own sorrow and stretching out his hands toward this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you only 
know the hearts of the children of mankind, that they may fear you and walk in your ways all the days that they live in the land that you gave to our fathers. Likewise, when a foreigner, so now he's going to talk about foreigners, people who come to, to Israel to worship God, who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. If your people go out to battle against their enemies, but whatever way you shall send them, and they pray to you toward this city that you have chosen the house that I have built for your name, then hear from heaven and their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause. If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and, and give them to an enemy, so they are carried away captive to a land far or near, Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their heart, with all their soul in the land of their captivity to which they are carried captive and pray toward the land which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then hear from heaven your dwelling place their prayer and their pleas, and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers of this place. Prayer was so significant to the Jewish people around the temple. So if that is going away, and that's what Jesus is prophesying here with this fig tree, and how that is changing, and now we have a new temple, in our hearts where the presence of God through the Holy Spirit dwells in us and does all those kinds of things in and through us, the whole thing about prayer is changing. And so I think a lot of what Jesus is teaching here, some of it's true of the past, but some of it is very new for this new system that he is setting up. And, um, and by the way, you know, we know that in 70 AD, the Romans completely leveled the temple. And since then, there has been no Jewish temple in Jerusalem. Today, the uh, Islamic Dome of the Rock is right, built on the location of the old temple. Um, and you know that you've probably seen uh, Jewish people praying at the Western Wall, the, the Wailing Wall, um, and they put their prayers, they write them on, on notes, and they put them into the rock there. That is the closest physical location that Jews, Jewish people can get to the original site of the temple. So they're trying to be faithful to what was taught to them in the Old Testament. And by the way, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, there were a number of um, rabbis that that wondered and taught aloud uh, within the Talmud and other places about maybe since there's no temple, there's also no more prayer. In fact, one rabbi quoted from Lamentations 3.8. So this is later on after um, the um, Solomon's temple and the temple was destroyed that first time before it was rebuilt again. And when it was destroyed, this is what he says, though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. So uh, the Jewish people 
even at around 70 AD, they had to refigure out, okay, what is worship of God? What does prayer look like when we don't have a temple? So this is a really significant thing. Um, and it's a monumental change. The location and access to God is changed. So now there is a new approach. And that's what Jesus begins to talk about here in this passage. Um, now, this new approach to prayer. First of all, uh, God is still the power source and it still depends on his will. And I think that's extremely important. Back to what I said about verse 22, he says, have faith in God. I think that is the intro verse, intro phrase where the rest of what he says in this passage hinges on that. Um, again, faith is not a substance that we can just sort of grab onto or like a power source. You know, you get enough uh, nuclear material and you can create a bomb, you know, or whatever. Um, it's not gasoline or oil or whatever that can burn. It is trust in an individual, in a person, in God. And, and so it's not something that we just get to do with what we want. You know, now this passage, though, does say some pretty big things. He says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, um, uh, where am I? But believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And, and by the way, that phrase, uh, taking a mountain and thrown into the sea, that's, that's a, a way of just simply saying, doing the impossible. So in other words, the impossible can be done through faith is what he's saying. And then verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Now, a really important thing for us to realize when we're studying scripture that now there's one way to read this where you're just like, okay, so as long as I don't have any doubt, as long as I have all faith and no matter what I ask for, I'm going to get it. Um, and there are some uh, pastors and teachers out there that, that teach that way. Now, the problem with that is what we see in other parts of scripture. Like remember when we were in James and he was talking about the reason you don't have is because you ask wrongly. You ask according to your desires. And God's not just going to give us something that is harmful to us or something that takes away from our love for him. Remember, I think I used the example of, can you imagine if, you know, I said to my wife, hey, can you prepare a really nice romantic dinner? I'm going to be bringing my, my girlfriend over later tonight. I mean, it's like, she's not going to do something generous for me that's all about undermining my relationship with her. God's not going to answer certain prayers. Now, so here's the principle when we're trying to figure out an answer. Okay, what does this text mean? It's important that we take all of Scripture and weigh the text against other parts of Scripture. And the, and the reason for that is because we believe that God is the author of this, and God is completely consistent with himself. He's not going to say one thing one day and say another thing another day. He's not going to give us one command to go that way and then tell us to go this way the next day. He's completely consistent with himself, okay, because we believe that he wrote it, right? So we can't take the interpretation of this text to a place that other passages don't allow us to go. And let me use a great example, just a couple of pages later in Mark chapter 14, and I've got on the screen, this is Jesus's prayer before I show it to you. This is Jesus's prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. 
He's just had his last supper with the disciples. He's instituted the communion uh, ritual with them. And the very next day, he's going to be going to the cross. And so in advance of that, before he's betrayed, um, he's in the garden of Gethsemane. So this is overlooking uh, Jerusalem. And he's praying earnestly to God because he's feeling the weight of what he knows is coming the next day. And notice what he prays. And I'm just going to quote this one verse. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. That's the parallel to what he says in this passage about taking a mountain and throwing it into the sea. God can do the impossible. And then here's his request. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He asked him, and then we know in the rest of the passage that Jesus actually asked that three times. And he is filled with anguish. Um, he is, in other Gospels, he is uh, filled with so much dread and anguish for what's coming tomorrow that he's even sweating blood, it says. But God denies him his request. He asks him, all things are possible, Father. There's got to be another way for this to be done. I know that you could do it if you wanted to. Please remove this cup from me. That's what he asks. And he says, but not my will, but your will be done. Now, Jesus was told no. Does that mean that Jesus did not have enough faith? Does that mean that Jesus doubted in some way? Was he not believing that he received it, as it says in Mark chapter 11? You know, there's some teachers who will even go as far as to say, if, if you add to a prayer like, Lord, please heal my friend of, of her sickness. If you add, but God, not my will, but your will be done, then that's sowing in a little bit of doubt. And, and if you have any bit of doubt, then, then God will not answer it. But that's not the what we learn from Scripture. That's not the way it works. I believe, back to Mark chapter 11, this whole thing hinges on have faith in God. In other words, if God wants to do something, if we are convinced that this is what he wants to do, then he is going to achieve that. Now, there's so much more that we could add about prayer. I mean, there's just so many things that can, can balance it in, but I think we do need to wrestle with what he does say in Mark chapter 11. God is still the power source. It depends on his will. But here's the thing that's changed. But we now have direct access to him. We are the temple. Brothers and sisters, what does my prayer life say about my faith? Guys, there are a lot of things that God wants to accomplish in our lives and in our world. But am I really seeking him? Am I availing myself of the opportunity that God is in my heart through faith in Jesus Christ that I can confidently approach the throne of God through prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus Christ, and the Father hears me. And God can accomplish anything. Nothing is impossible with God. And yet, God, not my will, your will be done. So I'm trusting you in that in my prayers. And brothers and sisters, let's 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 really discuss in our groups how 
how can we improve in our prayer lives? What kind of things can we, actions can we take um, to be more about prayer and seeking the Lord on our own and seeking the Lord together and seeking him and his will and praying for what God wants in our lives and the people around us and our groups and our communities, neighborhoods, and so on. I'm looking forward to praying with you guys this Sunday and hearing your insights as you share it together.